It's a good show. Okay, well, so here's the thing. I've never heard this song because I'm not some song-putting piece of crap from jolly old England. Oi! Uh, Oi, governor! Apparently this song, uh, Aria on Air, was a big ad campaign for British Airways beginning in 1989. Uh, it, was arranged, uh, it was arranged by Malcolm McLaren, who, uh, since I'm a musical moron, is someone I should know, but I'm not exactly sure what he does. I thought he was the producer for the Sex Pistols? Manager. Or, or, so he's a manager, but then I, I looked it up and he was he like he was the stylist for the New York Dow. He dressed the New York well, Dow. Yeah, he owned he owned a shop, a famous uh, yeah, shop. Yeah, he, he and Vivian Westwood. Sex. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and he gave the Sex Pistols their name. Anyways, uh, I guess he was kind of like the art director, artistic director for punk, yeah. which is pretty edgy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm being, being the guy who dresses all the punks. He's also kind of an opportunistic charlatan, but anyway, go on. Well, okay. Well, he's pretty edgy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just look at Adam Ant. Well, welcome to the real edge, dude. Uh, you ain't shit and, and you ain't punk until you collabed with the original Greek freak, uh, Giannis Yanni uh, Chrysomalis. Yes, that's, that's his right. actual name. <laughs> yep. Yes, this is uh, punk godfather Malcolm McLaren and Yanni. Taking some boring ass music and moving in, moving it to the edge of laser powered razors set on fire with rocket fuel. You see, as we entered the '90s, there was a reckoning. Nothing was to be done average like the dumb '80s. Fuck that. We need to take this to the extreme, to the max, with two X's, extra X for extra extreme. In the '90s, we said fuck all the other letters. We just need the X. We just want that X. For Generation X. And the X Games. When we relaxed. X-Files. Two X's to the balls out gentle as fuck sound of world music, ambient electronica, and new age serenity. We did it in your face. Wow, that sounds more like three X's, Hunter. This is solid writing, Hunter. Um, I, I think you should write the program for the X Games. You know, like that they hand out for a dollar <laughs> when you go to the X Games. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna sit back and see what you have coming up there. Uh, okay, but you know what? But with all that, it was exhausting, tiring, uh, even one might say draining to the max, with barely an extra X, uh, because I'm X pooped. That's what they said. That's what we said in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Man, I pooped so hard. I'm X pooped, man. We, yeah, we 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 X so much, and we just got t- we were tired all the time. But fear not. That vast energy stores of duders and dudettes who soon uh, would soon be filled by a sweet nectar given to us by only the most extreme gods. Uh, from mountainous highs float a greenish, yellowish, unworldly neon liquid. A do, if you will. <laughs> and it imbued us with special extreme powers that took all pursuits to the max, including our adventures into spiritual enlightenment. So join us today as we enter the Do Age. Beyond your rock. Oh, that sounds so fucking good to hear that again. Oh, yeah, it's been, been a while. while. <laughs> December. Been a while. Six, been a while. Six, seven months ago. Been a while. Ah, it's good to be back. It's the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We make up new musical genres every week. Count them down. All the top songs, ten to one. 
feel like uh, the music's a little low. I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Yeah, it's a jam. My name is J.D. Riznar. Oh, hi. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. Hunter. I'm the captain today. But listen, guys, we've, we're super famous and not and ignored by everyone because we coined the term Yacht Rock. Um, so we like to throw a bone to the Yacht Rock genre every week to, so, to remind all of you who we are. And Dave, you picked a song this time. I did. It's quite the song. Yeah. You know, a few months ago, I sat here in this very garage directly across the street from the boyhood home of some guy from Eve 6. <laughs> uh, back when we weren't doing the podcast, I was hanging out, listening to records with JD. He was sitting across from me, had hard, hard cider in my hand, and he was listening to Nielsen Pearson album, Blind Luck. And this song jumped the fuck out at me. It's just always dropping names. I was hanging out with JD Riznar. In a garage. Yeah. Drinking hard cider. <laughs> I'm, s- listening I'm to Dave. Listening I'm, to smooth music. I'm so glad that Eve 6 didn't enter into that. Why live in a mansion if you're not going to talk about your mansion? Exactly. Across from the guy, boyhood home of Eve 6. I was across from a home. It was, it, it was a magical night. <laughs> and uh, I didn't... I didn't discover a new Yacht Rock artist, but we've never touched anything off uh, of this album before. Not only is it a Yacht Rock jam, but guys, I think this might be essential. You got you got everything here. There's a doobie bounce that starts it off. There's a hold the line, and of course, there's the crossfire. <laughs> you're, just, you're just naming terms. You're just dropping terms. <laughs> no, they're all there. And, and if Bill Bounty is not essential, then I don't know about this. I might put my finger on that scale, if you know what I mean, when that comes up. All right, all right. Some of you might be surprised to find out the Yacht Rock isn't always my first pick when I drop my needle, but this song is a goddamn jam. Let's talk personnel. Uh, also, by the way, thank you for whomever put this in the document for me. You're welcome. Uh, drums, Carlos Vega, that's a guy. Bass, Neil Steubenhaus. Yeah. He's the uh, third Nielsen for Nielsen Pierce, Pierce, Pierce Steubenhaus. Steubenhaus. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Uh, yeah, Robbie Buchanan, we talked about him. Guitarist Michael Landau. They really got Maxis on it. Yeah, that's yeah. the Maxis fella. Maxis Max- of the Maxis. Maxis with two X's <sighs> for this episode. Guitar solo. Steve fucking Luke there, You man. missed uh, Charles Icarus Johnson is also on guitars. He's Paige's guitar player. I was getting to that. Nielsen Pearson's He's bringing in Maxis. It. They're bringing in Pages. They're bringing in Toto. It's incredible. Let's talk about percussion. It's important. Lenny Castro. <laughs> so not surprising. <laughs> wow. And then, of course, the background vocals of Nielsen and Pearson. Oh, Nielsen's first name is Reed Nielsen. I think I've forgotten that piece of yeah. information. Well, there it is. The guy's right, got two last right names. Right in front of uh, this, uh, this song actually got me excited about Yaw Rock again. This is about a fool. It's about a yeah. sorrow springs from a hasty heart. Fools rush into love. Mm-hmm. Boom. It's about fools. And when that guitar solo kicks in, when Lukather starts uh, jamming his jammy jams, pretty pretty great. Pretty jammy. You want an example of a Yacht Rock song that can rock hard? This is it. Okay, Hunter, are you ready to get a, a little extreme? Go to the do, get in the do age? Um, I'd feel more comfortable if we close the door so I don't wake up your kids with all this extreme. The, the, the doors are closed. Junior has a fan running in his room. 
Okay. Uh, worst thing that happens. It's gonna is get extreme though. Lady Junior is gonna come in and go, "Why are you being loud?" And I'll put her in bed. She doesn't can... know. She doesn't understand the '90s. She won't yeah. get it. She'll get it. Right. Well, in 20 years, it'll be cool. Oh shit, we missed it. I'll close the door. If you promise to get extreme. To the max. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> All right. Here's what's happening today. I'm going to play some music. It's going to be on the fringe of new age ambient electronica or, uh, or like world music or some bullshit. And it's going to be from the 90s. Uh, that's when that mix was the most uh, in the public consciousness. Well, it came back. Yeah. Uh, some might breach on classical, but not Canadian classical. I want to make that distinction. It's about hockey. Go back and listen to the Canadian classical episode. It was like so long ago. I think it might have been the one right before this. No, the one right before this was jizz. (laughs) Star Wars music. Holy shit, how long has it been? December. Damn. Um... It's mostly all a bunch of bullshit that might make you say, hey, who the fuck listened to this? And then most likely you'll remember, oh yeah, I did. Uh, The reason is, actually, I have have really no idea what everybody listened to this. I have uh, some theories. Uh, uh, Theory is, uh, like I covered in the Hippie Hop episode, there was a sort of post-boomer countercultural awakening as the Gen Xers, uh, Xers... You know, they got a little older, started uh, going to college and appreciating things, reading Marx. Uh, and it, uh, and, and Hold it, on to the night. I get it. And it was uh, global. Uh, they, they started, people started appreciating things from worldly things. Uh, combined with uh, emerging electronic music that could gussy up an old recording. Um, <laughs> combined, and this is my personal thought on this subject playing loads of video games with droning instrumentals uh, 8-bit and 16-bit music. Like, couldn't you hear this in a video game? Yeah, yeah. like a, like a Halloween-themed video game. I mean, this except is The Exorcist. Low, is the, except this, for that. This is Mike Old... Oh, this, so, so, I'll get to this more, but this is Mike Oldfield gussing up The Exorcist thing, Tubular Bells, in a song called Sentinel, which I'll... From the album Tubular Bells 2. Yeah. Ooh. Um... Was there a first one, or is that just clever? It's got two tubular bells, like there's two X's in all these things. Ah. Uh, so there was all, but, the, but so when you have like the sort of young people looking for this sort of enlightenment, you also have they're going up. You also have coming down are the boomers. Who are uh, so there's this weird convergence of uh, the boomers are looking for self help. Uh, due to a litany of terrible life choices uh, finally coming to fruition. What, J.D.? The music is loud in my ears. Oh, do you want me to turn down? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Sorry. Continue. You're on a roll. <laughs> I made a face. You're doing great. Uh, yeah, so there's this convergence. And, and so as their terrible life uh, choices are coming to fruition, they also had uh, their lame taste in music. Uh, they started to develop a lame taste in music doing to, due to like current hip hop and and uh, and metal trends. They're like, oh, I don't like that rock and roll. That's not like the one I I listen to. There, there was a whole world music craze around this time too. Like people, yeah, like the 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 aging boomers who wanted to like stay liberal and politically correct with like 
were just trying to appreciate music from all over the globe. Oh, absolutely. Without uh, having any idea yeah, what it was they were, really about. They were the ones yeah. teaching the Gen yeah. Xers at college. They yeah. started, and yeah, I, we all lived in college towns but, at the time. I worked at a Tower Records, and they put in a world music section, and it kept getting bigger and bigger. So those were the liberals. I just kept playing the Rambo 2 soundtrack. Well, that's a good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. But but so but also there you have the you have the sort of like the Republican the or maybe the Reagan Democrats who are like, and I like or or, or fucking uh, Al Gore's wife. <laughs> oh like, God! I, I don't like this stuff. And so she, so it was like I need some relaxed rock and roll music. It's terrible what you kids are doing out there with all your Satan and your lace. I need some world music <laughs> in a language and I can't even understand. And your weird names. Well, my theory is that everyone loved the Risky Business soundtrack so much, but nobody could recreate that Flash of Genius by Tangerine Dream. No and one. yes, I am trying to trigger you, people posting in the Tangerine Dream versus Mike Oldfield thread on a progressive rock forum I saw. He's such a fucking internet troll, JD. That's right. Triggering uh, lib. Snowflakes. Triggering the progs. Prog snowflakes. And so, besides what JD said, there was also one more thing. Uh, a good genre, genre, should have an exemplar of the whole. And I'm, I, I, when I wrote that, I was sweating because it took me so long to find that, look up in that thesaurus so hard to find exemplar. You kind of uh, nailed it. I thought it. you meant whole. You um, kind of nailed it if you hadn't, if you hadn't. Drawn attention. No, it's to been it, really though. hot in LA. It was like 110 degrees, and I'm looking through a thesaurus, and I'm just like, God, that's not the right word. You actually have a thesaurus, or you looked it up online? I have a thesaurus. Uh, synonym.com, man, it's the way to go. S- go, go back com. to how how intelligent I sounded on Africa da- Africa Africa Dabra. <laughs> synonym.com. Okay, well, to move forward. Uh, you, usually, this exemplar is a compilation or a soundtrack, or maybe a supergroup that shares members of the of the sort of like the all the bands, and uh, like uh, like grunge had Temple of the Dog. They also mm-hmm. had the single soundtrack, or what's another good uh, example? But what did what Judgment did, Night? What did Do Age have? Well, Do Age. Well, thanks for asking, JD. Mm-hmm. In the case of Jew Age, this was expressed by a, a, a CD, a compact disc, if you will, called Pure Moods. Ah, the Pure, Pure Moods. Uh, the series was originally called Moods, a contemporary soundtrack, and released in the UK in 1991. The Pure Moods, Mudes, we all know and love, was released in 1994 and sold during late-night television and during weekend Star Trek The Next Generation reruns on independent stations. Uh, it had a whole bunch of... Remember independent stations? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it had a whole bunch of uh, do-age on there, but also a lot of proto-do-age. And included our, uh, our first selection, Aria on Air. It was uh, basically the first thing to widely sell putting beats to new-age crap. Pure moon. Uh, the 1997 re-release of Pure Moods would double down on that, uh, while also removing the less do wait less the the less do agey stuff like the Miami Vice theme and Kenny G. Yeah, no room for that. Yeah, I know I'm slipping. Well, my mic's slipping down on me. Hold on. Got it tight. 
Get tighten that up. <laughs> tighten it up to the extreme. Uh, okay, let's see. Where, where were we? Uh, the song we are listening to now, Sentinel, as I mentioned by Mike Oldfield, was actually on the second Pure Moods release. Uh, our fourth, if you count moods and moods two that I mentioned earlier, yeah. moods uh, two. It, it was called instrumental moods. Instrumental. <laughs> there's like moods. there's like eight or nine of these uh, CDs. Um, here he gussied up uh, tu- tubular bells, <laughs> or the <laughs> or the exorcist. I, every time you say gussy up, it makes me giggle. <laughs> I'm starting the, this eight minute song over again. <laughs> or the exorcist theme. <laughs> you know, he really could have just called it the Exorcist theme and just took two off X's. E. Yeah, two X's took <laughs> off an E, um, which was uh, that was originally on Pure Moods One, and it's this gussying up that plays a big part in Do Age. Um, in Do Age, you take something that might be boring and old, and like I said, you make it extreme. What's the difference? Uh, what's the definition of extreme? Well, it's to the max. And in your face. Oh, like sunglasses. <laughs> yep. Like it, on a dog. <laughs> like a, a lot of it is you take a lot of mundane things and you make it extreme. Like sunglasses <laughs> on a baby. Like in the 90s, we didn't roller skate. Fuck no. We fucking rollerbladed. We didn't play softball. We had shock and jock. What was it called? Rock and jock. Rock and jock. Softball. <laughs> uh, we didn't. We didn't ride bicycles. We rode mountain bikes and drank Mountain Dew. And we. And when we got hungry, we didn't go to a buffet like some asshole. We went to the Wendy's motherfucking super bar. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got stories about that place. <laughs> and why? With diarrhea stories? No. And why? Because it's Fuck extremely it. risky as all hell to your own personal well-being. Just like these songs. Sure, you might get a sense of ecstasy and well-being, but it's dangerous well-being filled with beats and adrenaline. Like jumping out of a plane, drinking Mountain Dew. Or a salad bar that also has pasta and tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like this song because it's it's kind of intense throughout, and then at the end, in the last half, it's real uh, cool and mellow, like my favorite part of any yoga class, where you just lay down for five minutes. Don't do anything, lay down. It's the best. It's what I wish. Because, like, I took an old lady stretching class, and that was hard for me. That was too extreme for me. Yeah. It's, and it's, hard, said, to, it's hard to relax when you have a boner looking at all those old ladies <laughs> stretching. Tell me, tell me about it. And then I lay down, and I just relax. If I had an exercise studio, there would be a class called Extreme Napping, Daytime Napping, where everybody could take a public nap and not feel ashamed about it. The last year in college for my wife, she took a relaxation class that was, uh-huh. like, one credit. And you just laid down in a dark, cool room and listened to music. <laughs> I wanted that class. It's amazing. Was it relaxation with two X's? There actually uh, is an extreme form of yoga. It's called hot yoga. Oh, it's awful. Bikram yoga? Is that yeah, the whole place. Uh, I, yeah, I've been in those. The whole place smells like chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like what chlamydia especially tastes in, like. Yeah. Especially in Los Fleas. Yeah. All right, so, uh, so we good? No, I want to talk about this hot yoga. Nope. Okay, uh, I want, but I do want to mention one thing real fast. <clears throat> okay, so I'll do this really quick if you guys don't interrupt. Ooh. Along with the good uh, genres exemplar, there's at least one good tragedy. Like one person or band who shone too bright and was extinguished, extinguished before their time. Such was the tale of the Benedictine months of uh, Santa, Santo Domingo de Silos. Uh, 
I mean, these guys are pretty extreme. The Benedictines being known as the Black Monks, uh, which is uh, pretty tubular. Like a bell. Yeah, perhaps gnarly. Uh, but, uh, but, the extri- but the album Chant, which peaked at number three. Yes, a Gregorian chant album made it all the way to number three on the Billboard 200 in 1994. And this was a boom period in record sales, mind you. They would probably be number one for like years if they sold as many now. Well, this is actually the sound chart. The sound chart? Is that what it's called? The sound? Whatever the, whatever the flip around was where they changed the way they did it. And then they. Sound fu- scan. Sound scan. Then they found out what people were really buying and Gregorian chants straight to the top of the charts. Uh, but but just so you know, Chant was actually recordings uh, be, that were made between 1972 and 1982. Uh, but people were primed for, for them to be the stars of Dew Age. Managers and agents prepped the song uh, "Alleluia Beatus Vercusufferit." Nailed it. I don't know why you're having a hard time pronouncing it. They're saying it right in the song. No, th- yeah. Um, which is, this is what we're listening to now. This was their hit single, or it was supposed to be. MTV actually pushed for a music video and promised heavy rotation once completed. But alas, the monks, being unused to uh, paparazzi and publicists, decided to return to the monastery and a life of uh, chaste austerity. Typical monks. <laughs> shunning the world, uh, shunning the would-be glamour of due age, and thus not making the countdown. So uh, that's the story of the Benedictine Months, because I know you motherfuckers are going to be like, where's Chant? That's why Chant's not on here. That was here. a number three album, man. This also was an extreme. That's what I'm... Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't have Well, beats. I feel like the monk lifestyle, by definition, is pretty extreme. The Our, monk lifestyle is extreme. This boring music is not. We're going to get you know, extreme. You know what monks content. are extreme is the Trappist monks, because they brew all that high alcohol beer in Belgium. I just want to make They're one... They're fucking extreme, one, bro. One point. Doesn't need beats. Oh, it does not need beats. It doesn't. Okay. Ju- that's just a way you can gussy something oh, up. To, that's okay. One I guess. I guess my argument is this isn't gussied up. This is raw. Oh, absolutely no. That's a, that, it was. Okay. Yeah, this is pure and uncut. It was recorded between 1972 and 1982. This would have been just Moves. chanting yeah. before do age. Pure. Okay. But they really chant. wanted it. All right, let's Dan Cortez this countdown. Rock and Jack. I'm ready for this. Been there, tried that. Number 10. <clears throat> you sound like perfect bumpers for this uh, episode. I love that we have the same. <laughs> Whenever we make our own bumpers, it's the same. Number 10. Yeah, I found that a long time ago. I use that for everyone. Yeah, that's great. Hunter made these bumpers, by the way. Dave he was supposed to, to ask. Oh, sorry. I forgot the format. It's been since December. Hey, Barnum and Bailey, drag your balls out of the three rings. We got some fucking French Canadians, the most extreme Canadians, to show you how to run a good goddamn circus. Fuck your elephants and lions. We got front flips and backward flaming nipple twists. I assume. I've never seen a Cirque du Soleil uh, because it looks dumb. Uh, it's, fun to, it's fun to watch. And you know, I know a lot of stories. I'm glad you're doing Cirque du Soleil music because I've heard a lot of stories of people who go to uh, Cirque shows, they hear the music, their minds are blown, and they buy the CD and they take it home, and it's just not the same experience to listen to it. Because they're not watching any nipple twists while they're listening to no, the music I, anymore. I saw a Beatles Cirque... It was Cirque... a backward flaming nipple twist. I saw a, a Beatles Cirque show in Las Vegas. I think it was called Love. You know what it was called. My wife really wanted to go, and I said, I'll go only if they play Octopus Garden, because that's everybody's favorite Beatles song. And guess what? They did. And guess what else? It 
sucked. The tickets were like 200 bucks a piece. Ugh. And it was just people dancing around and jumping on balls and holding the thing and wearing... Ugh. Yeah. It's, it should be at least $400 if somebody's going to jump on balls. Yeah, and hold the thing at the same time. <clears throat> we'll get there, Dave. We'll That's get the to the... most fucking pretentious thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> we'll life. Get to, we'll get and I live in L.A. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to how much... <laughs> why your tickets cost so much. Um, uh, so this song is from uh, what I believe is their first global success, Alegria. Uh, this being the title track to the show that premiered in 1994 and continued on in one form or another till, 19, uh, till 2013 and is planning to come back in 2019. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah. It was uh, composed by Rene Dupin. Yeah, yeah. Hot That's uh, that means Renee of the Father. You yeah. guys, you guys, he, help me out on. He did uh, steal away. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it, uh, it was nominated for a Grammy and spent 65 weeks on uh, Billboard's World Music Chart. Uh, Alegria is uh, is described as an operatic introspection of the struggle for power and the invigorating energy of youth, which is do age as fuck. And then the person that wrote that pat themselves on the back and said, I've earned my 15 cents. I've figured out a new way to use the word introspection. It was actually that, that, uh, that description apparently was in the, uh, in the brochure or what, uh, the program that came with, came when you went to the show. Um, I've never Did heard introspection used with an article in front of it before. You, you may have written that, Steve. It's possible. He doesn't remember. It was a long time ago. Um, so the history of Sir, quickly. I'll try to get through this. I feel like I need to do this with to, 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 for never, never, never. Ex- eh. Hunter, where did this thing come from? JD's probably going to do have a Sir Delay song in one of his genres, genres coming up. Great music, and I'll be really insulted that you've made fun of my Cirque music. Exactly. Uh, so I'll get this out of the way so you don't have to repeat it. Uh, a dude from Quebec named uh, Guy La Liberté left, <laughs> <laughs> left college. <laughs> yeah. what a, that's French for Guy the Liberty. Yeah, what a fruit. <laughs> he left college and went to Europe to become a busker and fire breather. Uh, when he got back in 1979, he created a summer fair and established a troupe to perform his form of acrobatic entertainment. In 1980, the group received money from the Quebec government to establish a tour, which was a financial failure. But with uh, subsequent tours, were able to break even by 1981. In 1982, there were small tours, by the way. In 1982, they established another summer fair and tour, which promoted workshops to involve the public, who could then be part of the performance. In 1983, they had uh, grown an- enough, big enough, to be given a huge grant by Quebec to be the centerpiece of the 450th anniversary celebration of French explorer Jacques Cartier, uh, discover his discovery of Canada. Uh, this was called Le Grand Tour du Cirque du Soleil. So now you have the name. Uh, well, then over the next, I don't know, basically decade, they would bounce between solvency and profit, needing government and private loans and bailouts to stay afloat and independent, um, would, be, would, <clears throat> excuse me, would become more professional as opposed to simply street performances and would grow the reputation leading to global intrigue, allowing them 
to grow the scope of their show as an audience, eventually, eventually finally making money and becoming a mainstay in Las Vegas. And I think that's enough. And with the onset of rollerblades, they could take it to the streets and fruit boot right into our hearts. Uh, and it's definitely a s- fucking circus to the max. Man, I hope Steve's long paragraphs haven't infected all of us during the break. I, uh, I, I, I will just note that all of you eventually come around to my way of thinking anyway. I'm bummed you guys didn't get the fruit boot. We got it. Obsessed. Possessed. Impressed. No content. Number nine. Believe me. I didn't want to write that much, Ladies but I felt like I had to, the class to just get... I, have, I had no idea where Cirque du Soleil came from. I especially had no idea that it took several years of government support to keep it alive. Oh, they were completely Well, that's Canada for you. Like Steve's long paragraphs, I felt anxious throughout listening, but when I listen back to the podcast, I'm going to love it. No, you won't. Well, that was because be the if you're listening to it as an audience rather than a participant. Exactly. Oh. Well, it's, it Hunter, makes I sense actually, that we're talking I to an really audience. I enjoyed it, and I think these guys can suck shit. Enjoy the I just wanted you to know that in, in French Canadians, they bail out the circuses. <laughs> <laughs> circus eye. 20 years, okay, so Cirque-Eye. on to this song. This is Baz Luhrmann's Everyone's Free to Wear sun- Sunscreen from 1998. I like this one uh, because I eat that middle American folksy self-help shit up. I eat it up to the max. How are we supposed to talk over this talking? It's like this. It circled my high school graduation year of 1998 and was written in 1997. Oh, by, by the way, it is. it was written as a graduation commencement speech. I'll talk, talk about that, but that's why I bring that up. Uh, I was in 98? Yes. Do one thing. It was released, it was written in 97, released in 98, but popularized in 1999. The thing is, it was uh, meaningless to me then, kind of meaningless now, but less so as it's trying to imbue wisdom without context, basically worthless, until it hits you like a ton of bricks when you're 40. To the extreme! Woo! Uh, so where did this come from? Rumors said Kurt Vonnegut. Remember, he, he wrote it. Kurt Vonnegut wrote this when he he gave us apparently gave a commencement speech to MIT that was passed around, which is false, mostly because it doesn't mention the bombing of Dresden anywhere. Um, no, it actually came from that's a Vonnegut joke. Yeah, I, get, I don't get it. I'm not smart enough. Continue. Uh, no, it actually came from uh, education right there. Chicago Tribune col- columnist Mary uh, Schmidt. <laughs> I think uh, probably Schmick. Schmick. <laughs> Schmick. No one knows. Yeah, she wrote it on J- June first, nineteen ninety-seven. It's a uh, hypothetical Maybe commencement Mary, speech. If she was asked to give one, which she wasn't. Boy, that's pretty sad. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the von- someday I'm going to give a speech. Here's I'll write the speech one. Just I would case. give if anyone had asked me. It's going to be a, a an amalgam of uh, Kathy comics and things I see on cocktail napkins. <laughs> But here's the thing: the, the Kurt Vonnegut rumors were so rampant that one it, that it made it really popular and got passed around. Um, he actually uh, commented on it and said no, that he didn't write it. It actually got to him, but it, but he would have been proud if he had. And uh, two. It made its way to uh, Boz Lerman's inbox, and in his haste to use it in uh, in a song, 
he found that Vonnegut, he was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta use this song. We could contact Kurt Vonnegut. He'll never approve this. Well, he actually wasn't the author, and they're like, sweet, we can have it for much cheaper. Um, actually, and actually, it was owned. I, I found this out by reading an article. It was, it was actually owned by the Tribune. Like when you write something for them, mm-hmm. they own it. Yeah, that's the um, thing when you send it in. It's like when you audition to Saturday Night Live, all of the characters you audition with become theirs. And so, but Boz is a swell guy, and uh, he gave, uh, you know, Miss Schmick a, uh, some of the profits on his own. He just said, here you go. That's still uh, kind of sad because she already had her razor fortune. Nobody asked her to write a graduation speech, and then she wrote one, and she didn't even own it. Yeah, I'm sure she eventually got Except to do one. Um, the music is this is actually from Boz, uh, Boz, Boz's movie uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, with spoken word by voice actor Lee Perry, and the chorus is by R&B singer uh, Quindon Tarver, who was like 15 or 16. I thought it was a woman. It was actually a teenage boy uh, when he recorded this. And before you ask, yes, he was on the Kazam soundtrack. Oh, good. That was uh, uh, really bugging me. <laughs> the sunscreen song, uh, sunscreen song would reach number one in some form. Uh, there's all these stupid categories: the number one in Canada, the UK, Scotland, and Ireland. And Man, what is wrong with those countries? <laughs> and then, Wait, I, I, I listen to uh, like I don't even remember hearing a chorus on this. I believe you that there is one. There must be. Everybody can wear sunscreen if they want to when they graduate from college or high school. I'll be quiet in the... Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the things he's saying is is like, don't read beauty magazines because it'll just make you feel ugly. Ladies and gentlemen of the class... Um, I mean, these are, these are like, like my mom's... Like sunscreen. more annoying friends in the '90s, things they put on an embroidered pillow or decoupage into a, a. Now log. they're mostly minion memes. I think. Like, uh, <laughs> people can drive you nuts, but only if you give them the keys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's sayings on on uh, painted on blocks that are on windowsills yeah. in mother's kitchens. It's wine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm adjusting myself. I think it's, I sat on my balls to the max. It's wine o'clock somewhere. I wish I could remember some. Some of them are generally funny. Okay, I'm sorry. Live, continue. laugh, love? No, that's... Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying deadly, attention. Deadly serious. All right, back to what I was saying. So, you, you, you left off where the, the U.S. chart performed. No, I know where I left off. So in the U.S., it would reach number 10 on the adult top 40 and 45 on the hot 100. It would also spawn a bunch of parodies. Do you guys remember the parodies? Yep. Nope. The one most remembered uh, being Chris Rock's No Sex in the Champagne Room. I remember oh, that. Oh, that was a parody of this? I had no idea sure that was. was a parody of this. Really? I had no idea that was I'd never heard of this because it's boring. It also, uh, it also, and I, I just learned this looking it up, it also spawned a song called Mo Against the Grain by... Uh, <laughs> Don't be reckless. By, uh, from King of the Hill. King of the Hill soundtrack. Whoa. Everybody from King of the Hill. Bobby gets in there. Hank gets in there. Everybody gets in there. Gives a little bit of advice. Wow, never a dull moment. <laughs> I didn't even know that the King of the Hill had a soundtrack album with, like, so- I, I just found that out. Would you call this beat New Jack Swing? Remember compliments you received. No, it's not... JD, it's not who, jacked um, enough. In, in your reggae world, mm-hmm. yes, it is okay. Jack Swing. Who did the uh, who did the theme song for King of the Hill? 
the refreshments, I believe. Okay, because it sounded it sounded a lot like the way the Minutemen did the soundtrack to Jackass. The most interesting people I know. You know that like. Oh yeah. Moving on, fellows. You guys done? Unless you want to talk about the Minutemen some more. Let's go. To the max. Number eight. I, re- I remember that commercial. <laughs> Goddamn right, do. Oh my. Anybody want to buy some diamonds? No, this isn't diamonds. Watches? Maybe. What was the commercial? For boats? Boats. For cruises? Cialis? Come on down to, to uh, mentally unstable lose boats, diamonds, and watches. We got them all. I'm not legally allowed to sign the lease. My brother's got to do it. <laughs> we got him, though. We'll put him in your truck. Uh, according to Wikipedia, this song was used in a commercial for Crystal Light brand drink mix. That's not... Eh, maybe Whoa. that is what it's from. That's uh, kind of do light. The beers. We kill people and steal their diamonds in we'll, Africa. We'll cut out their tongues and send the savings to you. Okay, sorry. Fun facts about this song. Perhaps this is controversial. I can think of two reasons. One, because this is Enya and she's the goat. And uh, and also... You mean, you mean goat in the modern sense of greatest of all time, right? Yes. Or do you mean like she worships Satan and... Or, or they pull. She's somebody that they pull through toward the end of Survivor to make it easier for somebody else to win who deserves to. Or isn't that when you pull apart somebody's butthole? And also, this song's at number eight. She's the. She's How can great. that be? She's the goat. Yeah, and she's the goat. And it was released in 1989. What? Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing this on American Top 40. This is why, was, this, is why this might be, you might, at Hunter, home, Hunter, might if, have to pick if, your tits up <laughs> off the ground because you're so shocked. If I was wearing a bow tie, it would be spitting. Yeah, but let me try to justify it. You can <clears> see my dicky flap, too. Okay, this song... Dave, we've all seen your dicky flap. Careful. This song, Oranaco Flow, you see, it ushered in the do age. And lasted till t- till today as the song for for world new age. Wait, what? Are, oh, it, it, as the song for world new age and sweet ass pixie haired sirens to the max. That's what this song is. The song is very important. Is my point? It's hugely important. It, it lasted the entire decade. It doesn't matter when it came out, but I knocked it down, and that's why it's at number eight. Not as extreme as you could have possibly got. This is just mostly Enya, but she's extreme on herself. Why? Because she lives in a goddamn can- castle. Well, I'll get to that part. Um, it also, you know what? It lost, it lost the Grammy in 1990 to Peter Gabriel for The Last Temptation of Christ. Another it, big world beat kind of uh, uh, yeah, recording you ever heard, that came you out. You ever heard that, that bullshit, though? Yeah. 
Yeah, that no, guy. You're supposed to say no. That guy is fucking oh. neck deep in Africa, Dab. I'll tell you something. The Grammy is afraid of like the 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 cool new thing, the extreme thing, and Enya was extreme. This is the greatest world music song of all time, or new age song of all time. This this cross all genres of new age and new age. And it was, it's a, but it's the best new age song, and it lost to Peter Gabriel. That's worse than Jethro Tell beating Metallica. I don't, I don't yes. know if it's worse than that. Just yeah. agree with me for once. Jesus Christ. So, Enya's extreme. As I said, she lives in a goddamn castle. You know who else lives in a castle? The Sorceress and He-Man. Coincidence? Absolutely. But it's no coincidence that they both have to fight off Skeletor on the daily. Because that guy likes to try to take over castles. Yeah, he sure thing. does. How do you breathe without skin? Well, He's got skin all over the rest of him. How do you, he's blue. How it's not on the face? Did yeah, you say breathe? Good point, because he's fucking ripped. Yeah, he's, yeah. Skeletor, I mean, you know, he's got this kind of weasely little he voice. Never bring so, did up. so did Cobra to stay on track. Yeah. They, they couldn't make their supervillains, I guess, too intimidating? I don't These know. These guys didn't right. listen to any of this nerds. stuff, so they're just grabbing all the other stuff I talk about. Welcome to the middle of the first ever two-hour episode of Beyond Yacht Rock. Do you want to know what countries this song hit number one in? Nope. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'd tell you. Is, uh... No, I'll tell you, Steve, because I wrote about it later. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, I sure did. Oh, it's on the next page. I'm sorry. All right, I'm just going to tell you about... Uh, I wasn't peeking I'm gonna go. F I'm going to go fast. So Enya is a classically trained piano player from Ireland, born in, uh, in a Gaelic Irish-speaking area. Her, f her family are all musicians, and uh, uh, Irish, Irish is actually her first language, is what, is what I wanted to say. Her family are all musicians, and in the 70s, they form a, a Celtic band called Clannad. Yeah, they're very popular on the New Age circuit also. It's, it is. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Celtic. In Boston? No. The, is it? Do you know the soccer team or the football team from the you talking from Scotland? But it's the Catholic team. Oh, you're yeah, uh, you're talking uh, about they're Celtics. Celtics. They're called oh, Celtic. You have so many more facts about Enya to get. Let Hunter get through his Enya facts, please. No, but that's but that's what a dick from America goes. It's Celtic. Okay. No, because no, in I Boston, friend, I had a friend who got a tattoo like in college. You know that dipshit I used to hang out with, Brian Maston. Yeah, anyway. Stop naming no, people's names. He had a he he went to get a he's like, Yeah, I want a Celtic knot and the guy was like, It's Celtic. In some in some ways What does that have to do with I wanna hear Enya facts listed quickly. Really? Yes. I'm pretty sure in this context Otter's it's Celtic. But we'll f I'm sure people will tell us. Steve's looking it up right I'm now. Trying to, I'm trying to, go on, I'll 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 do my research and uh I'll, I'll report back her, fir her first solo <laughs> efforts were two piano instrumentals in 1983, which led to the opportunity to compose the soundtrack for the romantic comedy The Frog Prince in 1984. In 1985, she wrote a song for the BBC documentary series The Celts. The Celts. Continue. No. Which was supposed <laughs> to have multiple composers, but her song was so fucking good that she was given the entire series. In 1987, the music from the series was released as her first solo album. From that, she went, she was given a fancy record deal and given total creative freedom, leading, leading to her album Watermark, which is from and 1988, which made her famous as fuck. And you want, do, you, do you want me to just say? Well, this is Sail Away, Sail Away. I thought this song was called Sail Away. Uh, 
but you can probably hear this coming up next on Sirius XM. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's Yacht Rock. JD, thanks for staying on topic. Yeah. Uh, so Orinoco yeah. Flow. Oh, Sail Away is the subtitle. It's it's the the, the the title of the song is Orinoco Flow parentheses Sail Away. I like the phrase Orinoco Flow. It flows off the tongue nicely. Yeah, sounds nice. Orinoco Flow. I'm an Orinoco. Go, 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 go. So Orinoco Flow. It reached number one in the Netherlands, Switzerland, the UK, and Ireland. Obviously, it reached number twenty-four on the U.S. Hot 100, and get this, number six on the modern rock charts. Yeah, that's what they called the alternative charts back then. Uh, how's that for fucking do-age? It's pretty it's good. Cer- it's definitely an alternative. It's really, really good. Uh, I have no idea what it's about except bodies of water, because she's just name-dropping stuff, including the Orinoco River in Venezuela. Uh, so, huh? so someone must have given Enya an atlas for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Xmas to the extreme. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Uh, oh. Number seven. Just a quick report on Celtic versus Celtic. Uh, most of the academics prefer Celtic, but either is technically correct because the Celts or Celts did not refer to themselves by that name. Mm-hmm. They were it just comes like, from a Greek word for were, those people. Uh, we're the bros. We're just bros. They just call each other by their names. Mm-hmm. They didn't have labels. Okay, Hunter, what's going on here? <clears throat> hey, you remember this shit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, probably not. <gasps> nope. But that was before... I was supposed to say that when it was during the quiet part, but that was when Steve oh, was looking up Celt... It doesn't matter. This JT. is a minute and a half song. I know. Um, but this is called Diva Dance by Eric Seurat. I don't know. What would be the French pronunciation of Sarah? I mean, Sarah? You, you, the code is here. He used to go by RxRA. Oh, yeah. I'll get RxRA. I, I forgot about that. That's how you say it. RxRA. Yeah. RxRA. Yeah. I guess we'll talk about that. This is from a little movie called The Fifth Element from 1997. Spoiler alert. Fifth Element is love. <laughs> it's love. Oh. Oh, thank God. Now I don't have to watch it. And when you want to take... Hey, you should have watched it. What's wrong with you, Steve? Get out of here. Get out of town. I actually might have watched it. I don't remember. (sighs) Mia Jovovich in her costume? Sexy. Chris Tucker with his... Chris Tucker-ish? Yeah. He's he's universal. He's timeless. What happened to that guy? Uh, so, uh, when you want to take opera to the max, you add French beats and a blue squid head alien that can't dance and has two set of vocal cords, I believe. Um... It's actually, this is actually my favorite scene from the movie. Uh, it's an ex- extremely French Star Wars. Extremely French Star Wars. Um, I'm just going to skip over everybody else. You guys can jump in here at any time. Uh, so Eric Serra, as, as J.D. was saying, he goes by RxRA. So it's RxRA. Je m'appelle RxRA. That's pretty uh, good. Because good that's, accent. That's I the, studied French, guys. That's the phonetic pronunciation uh, of his name if you're good. a French. Um, it works a lot with Luc Besson, uh, doing movies such as Big Blue, La Femme Nikita, Leanne the Professional, and Rollerball. Yeah. Um, okay, Before blah, blah, they remade blah. Rollerball. He worked with Cirque du Soleil, and, uh, and he also did Chris Angel's show Believe. Never a misstep there. Uh, that guy's oh, jewelry was which so was, chunky. Which was a Cirque du Soleil show, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cirque du Soleil and this guy. Magic and Cirque du Soleil. That would be a delightful evening. Oh, God. 
Uh, and this would be the soundtrack. I'm going to make this 14-year-old, 75-pound uh, Croatian girl who can do the splits disappear. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not going to read the rest of it, uh, but I'm going to go on to who actually sang this song, not the model who couldn't dance in the song. Uh, that well, I, I'll just say that I read that that was his girlfriend in an article with him. He didn't say it, but the but the author did. But then I read she was married to Luke Passan at the time, the girl who played the squid alien. So I don't know if that's her name is May Win. My My Win. And then didn't Luke Passan go, hey, did he marry Mila Jojovich? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he was like, hey, you didn't do a very good job being the opera singer. I'm gonna marry the lead in my movie. And she was like, ah. but Eric, the the guy who wrote the music may have. Been dating her? I don't, yeah, who knows? I, it's such a libertine attitudes towards sex over there in France. I don't know what's what's up and what's down. Um, but the real singer on this a- opera is actually Albanian soprano Inva Mula. It's about time we got her on the podcast. Who was given the piece, and and when she received it, she said, uh, "This is not humanly possible uh, due to the notes being so far apart and it transitioning so quickly." Uh, so they recorded many of the notes in isolation and then digitally plopped them together. Uh, but apparently, that hasn't stopped singers from attempting the impossible, and you can see many of them on the YouTube. I mean, she sounds like a synthesizer. This is not cut together well when you really listen yeah. closely to it once we stop talking. Because it's extreme! <laughs> uh, and so these people on YouTube, there's a, there's, a, there's a Chinese singer who did a pretty damn good job. It's not pers- perfect, but damn good job. So it's nice to see this do age piece live on uh, to help opera folks get extreme to the max. Anything else you guys want to say about this? Mm-mm. I've learned a lot here today. This song is hot. That movie's hot. Go see The Fifth Element if you haven't. I wonder if it holds up. I haven't seen it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I gotta see it again. I haven't seen it since theater. What, you said 97? Ish. Five? 97. Le Guerre et de l'Etoile. Yeah, just War of the Stars. French Star Wars. Number six. Oh, we got some more Frenchmen here. This is This is Sweet Lullaby by Deep Forest from 1992 from their self-titled L- album. And it was also on uh, Pure Moods. And this song is... Uh, this, this is a pretty good exemplar as well. This, this band had hits. I remember this hit. I remember this was a hit. We'll probably get into how big of a hit it was I'm later. Sh- sure, I forget at this point. There's so much, so many facts about Cirque du Soleil to get through. I can't remember anything else. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, 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 I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so this song is uh, culturally woke to the extreme, or it was for the time. It's built around a bagu lullaby from the Solomon Islands and samples an uh, UNESCO recording from the 70s. The UNESCO is uh, United Nations uh, is educational and scientific cultural and cultural organization. Yeah, they do they they do all those world heritage sites. Yes. Trump's going to squash that organization like an ant. Yeah. But they, but they also go a lo- to a lot of indigenous peoples and sort of record sort of what they do, like to preserve to preserve it before the modern world ruins everything. At least they did at the time. I don't know if they still do that. 
Um, and it was a, so it was a recording from the 70s by a woman from the islands named uh, Afunakwa, uh, singing about losing her parents, uh, which is very sad. Um, and it's obviously mixed with a sweet electronic beat, though, and, uh, and a vaguely Ace of Bass-like synth. It's hard to lose your parents when you live on a little island yeah. that nobody's heard of. Seems like they'd be right on the other side of the island. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tie that into uh, today's current climate with uh, children being separated from their parents. Uh, but that is no No, joke. it happened, that it's happened is, a lot. It that's was just, just people are paying attention. Yeah, there's no joke. Um, so, the, so the Frenchies of Deep Forest, yeah. <laughs> so the Frenchies of Deep Forest, they are uh, Michel Sanchez and Eric Moqua. Sanchez. Bouquet. Sanchez. Sanchez. Eric Bouquet. Okay. Elie Bouquet! I'm just going to point at you guys. You can, you can read it from now on. Yeah, Bouquet. Uh, uh, they made what a few people called ethnic... Ethnique Ethnic electronica, which is uh, just a part of... Du Duage. <laughs> Duage, uh, obviously. Which means they stole a lot of native people's music from around the world, gussied them up, and sold them to the pure muhet pure mood heads. Do you think Afunakwa got any royalties off this song? Uh, they did not. I'll get into yeah, that. That's where the biggest skyscraper in the world is now. Um, they are only one of two French groups to win a Grammy with Daft Punk uh, being the other. There's being uh, 1995 for best album uh, World Music which is a great Grammy to win. Sweet Lullaby was also nominated for best music video at the 1993 MTV VMAs. I had a great Grammy. It was uh, <laughs> it was directed. <laughs> it was directed by Tarsum Singh, who did uh, she Lo did losing my religion and the little movie called The Cell, featuring featuring a little uh, actress named Jello. Oh, she was uh oh she was in a roller skating movie about a person I don't remember. Is this a new is this a new Jack Swing beat? Because I'll tell you why no. I think it is. Because I feel like, I feel, when I listen to this, I feel like I took a wrong turn off the Ambrosia Canal and wound up in the Spriggan Ghetto and run into these guys. So earlier I said, let me uh, help you find your way back into back. the Ambrosia Canal, JD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> so, so earlier I said they, they stole. Uh, well, I don't know. Ambrosia Canal flows both ways. Well, it depends on. If it goes the wrong way, it's it's very unpleasant. Sorry, Hunter. No, it's fine. Had to make an anal sex joke with Dave. You know yeah. how it goes. Why did you do it earlier? Well, while he was like you're, over you're, there going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, sometimes you barf up a turd. What do you want? So earlier I said they stole, and I'm not sure if they stole everything, but I'll say they probably stole most things. Because um, I'm not going to look at all their albums, but in this case, the forest didn't do a lot of deep research and find out who who to get permission from or pay royalties to, and uh, now their original album is out of print because of disputed sampling of indigenous peoples. So Afunakwa did not get any royalties at all. Afunakwa did some not. bullshit. And pretty much everybody else, and so they just stopped. They just stopped making their album. Um, how's that for cultural appropriation? Which is today's X Games. To the extreme! I'm exhausted now. I'm gonna go get some water. See you soon.
See if there's any beer in the fridge up there, would you? There's not. We got some whiskey. Do you want some whiskey? Mm, all right. Bring down some Buffalo Trace in a cup for Mr. Dave and me. When I saw Big Hero 6 in the movie theater, I was with my son, and it was his second time seeing that movie. He was four and hadn't seen many movies in the theater at the time, but he'd shout things like, Here comes the bad guy! Right before the bad guy shows up, and about an hour and a half before they reveal that that guy is the bad guy. Oh, dude gets foreshadowing. Yeah, he gets, but he doesn't get spoiler alerts. <laughs> uh, is it Big Hero 6, if you haven't seen it? Very good animated superhero movie. Fun for all ages, a lot of heart, good jokes, and a villain whose motivations are sympathetic, you know? The best kind of villain. Yeah. Kind of like me on Twitter shitting on Yacht Rock peddlers. Yeah, you're very sympathetic. Mm -hmm. You're also a villain. Absolutely. But people are like, I know where he's coming from. And just He's chosen the path of evil. Yeah. To further his Everybody goal. on Twitter has created something awesome that somebody else co-ops. <laughs> um, this song is called Immortals by Fallout Boy. And it comes Thank God we finally got a Fallout Boy song in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. It comes at the end credits of the movie, and it makes you really, really excited uh, about the fact you just saw that movie. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Fallout Boy, not a boy. It's actually a few grown men who name themselves after a superhero that Bart Simpson likes. Uh, and I just figured that out. I, yeah. Really? Yeah. I you, thought... You would you were not aware that Fallout Boy was a completely inappropriate Simpsons reference? No, I... nothing about their music is funny or really yeah. all that entertaining? Yeah, I, yeah, it threw me off. I thought they were just like, let's name our band after, like, we're like we're cool mutants after nuclear war. I thought that's what they were doing. No, it's just, no. no Fallout Boy is just radioactive man sidekick. Yeah, it's yeah, a TV and reference. as, you know... Along with that, in high school, my high school band for a little bit called ourselves Plow King, which was another fucking Simpsons reference. Did you do funny songs? Uh, we did a few. We did a song called I Want Veggies, which I'm sure I'll play on the podcast at some point when we run out of ideas. But it brings me to my point. Every band name sucks. Every single one. Every one of them. What's name a good band name? I don't know. Like, oh, what about Minor Threat? Like, ooh, we're so cool. We're just a Minor Threat. Socks. I might say that the what about What about the Trogs? The Trogs? That's not a on. bad band That's name. Dumb. It's you not know, awful. Best band name might be Rolling Stones. Eh. What's the lame about that? Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Let's call ourselves that. <laughs> Yuck. No. Socks. Yeah. The Beatles is the worst. Oh, yeah. We, we call ourselves the Beatles, but we spell it like it's a beat. Socks. Yeah. What about Prince? Well, see, now here's He's where... He's a one-man band. Here's where, there's where it's different. When you call yourself... When you name yourself what you are, like... Uh, uh, the symbol? Bobby D Herman and the Waves? Dave Clark Five? Yeah. Well... Bobby Herman had a lot of... They weren't humans. He had waves from the ocean in his right, band. Sound they found waves. one that could play guitar. Um... Let's see what else I have to say about the song. A lot of good stuff. Oh, we gotta talk, talk more about, about Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, sure we do. Fallout you guys are Boy. still talking about Fallout Boy? Yeah. Well, it's only been three minutes. They formed in, you guessed it, an upscale Chicago suburb in 2001. And guys, they're a big deal. They're an emo band, as you can hear. It's a good label for them because they're very emotional in the way that they sing and play music. That means emo, right? That's mm -hmm. what emo bands are. You really feel for how they feel about the possibilities of being immortal in this song. And you know what that feeling is? It's emotional. Emo. 
Is that what the emo means? Yep. Four. You heard it here first. Listen to this. Listen to this. Four out of Fallout Boy's last five albums have gone to number one on the Billboard charts in the U.S. And this song made it all the way rocket ship to 72 on the charts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The that's thing, an achievement. The only thing I know about Fallout Boy is the guitar player Joe is friends with one of our friends. And they may be playing in a Smashing Pumpkins tribute group at one of my upcoming tribute band parties. Dave, you're so connected. So Yeah, to the arm tattooed guy from Fallout Boy. Oh, good old plug hole again. This plug hole bet is by Yacht Rock Bot. I'll be listening to give Yacht Rock Bot some credit. Remem- I don't know. Dave, remember that in about three weeks. Got it. Hey, who's going to the Hollywood Bowl this weekend? Michael McDonald, Kenny Longage, Christopher Cross with the orchestra? Oh, my God. Me, I'm yeah, going. I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going Saturday night, so I don't want any spoilers on Friday night. It's going to be hard for me to, to stay off the internet and see who collaborated with who and what songs, who joined each other on the stage. Is the, are they going to mix it all up, or is Longage mm-hmm. going to have a Paul Reiser going to come out for the encore oh, again? No. We saw, Paul so Reiser good. came out with Mike McDonald in that one show, man. <laughs> I was freaking out. Who knows what special guests they'll bring up? Well, it's not going to get any better than Paul Reiser. Maybe it's, <laughs> it's, really maybe it's the other guy from My Two Dads. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> Greg dude, Evigan. Yeah, the guy from uh, uh, BJ and the yeah. Bear. Yeah. That yeah. Greg Evigan, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, no, maybe. the other Greg Evigan, Dave. Yeah. Oh, was, wasn't he the one with the musical oh, talent oh. on that show? Yeah, his son uh, actually is a recording artist now. Duh, what, are you friends with him too? No, I scattered his house one day on accident. Um, True story. That's called breaking and entering. But if you go to Super Concert... <laughs> it was research! If you're there at Super Concert and you see us, leave us alone. Let us enjoy the show. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Say hi. Are we going to get there early? I don't know. It's going to be like 100 degrees that day. And we don't want to telegraph our plans. I'll t- put it on Twitter. Maybe we'll go to a bar nearby first that we can walk to. There's no bar there's near no the Hollywood bar. Bowl. What are you fucking nuts? I mean, nuts? we might have to walk 20 minutes. but You know can... what? There's a bus that runs up. Maybe we'll go to the well or... Uh... Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll let you guys know where we are, because we want to party with everybody who loves Michael McDonald, Kenny mm-hmm. Loggins, and Christopher Cross that day. It's a very special day. Anyway, so what else do we have to plug? Uh, I'm very excited about this one. Um, I'm going to be on a podcast called Jughead's Basement. It's an amazing podcast. It uh, it, it starts with uh, John Jughead Pearson talking about his favorite albums. Who's that? John Jughead Pearson is the founding member and guitar player from Screeching Weasel. Um, he, uh, he breaks down albums that he loves, like uh, Operation Ivy's Energy or The Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime, and then brings in interviews from all the people that were there, band members, producers, oh, okay. and talks okay. about it. It's really quite incredible. That sounds stupid. Yeah. You just talk about it and then just give um, a bunch of uninformed opinions, beyond, like real <laughs> podcasts. Well, he came out to L.A. recently to do this new podcast where he just uh, interviews people. Uh, he interviewed Dino Stamatopoulos, uh, Kyle Kinane, Jonah Ray, and for whatever reason, he... Sounds a lot like WTF with Mark Marin. Well, anyway, I'm going to be on his show, and it was an absolute honor. It's called Jughead's Basement, and you should check it out. No. I hope I haven't heard it yet. I hope I don't sound like a dick. Um, I got one more. Oh. So Rock Band... Oh, fuck. I can't believe you're... This is a garbage thing. I don't know why Hunter feels it's like it's not this garbage. Get a nice exchange on the email with the guy who approached us to promote this for them. I said absolutely not because it's a shitty yacht rock pack. But go ahead, Hunter. <laughs> tell, tell them, tell them the story of what, how that how that went. Hunter talked to this guy and was like, he's like, hey, we're doing a yacht rock package. Talk about it. Well, no, he so he asked us. He was like, hey, would you guys mind like doing oh, this? Was that? 
doing something for the Rock Band package because yeah. they're releasing a Yacht Rock pack. And it mm-hmm. was released on July 3rd. And I was like, yeah. well, we're going to have to, we, we need to know the songs. Mm-hmm. And so he sent us the, the songs, and it was Players, Baby Come Back, Little River Band Reminiscing, and Looking Glass, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Baby Come Back Reminiscing, very weak Yacht Rock songs, but Yacht Rock songs, nevertheless. nonetheless. Brandy, yeah. quintessential Yacht Rock. And I wrote the guy, Hunter said, these are the songs. I said, well, will they pick different songs? Because these are terrible. And Hunter said, nope, they won't budge. And so I wrote the guy an email and was like, hey, what's going on? Your thing sucks. You should be embarrassed you approached us. Um, I, I urge you. to build bridges. I urge you. Who the fuck wants to build bridges with somebody who doesn't know what Yacht Rock is? Like, fuck that shit. I can't believe we don't have our own TV show. Fuck that. Like, who the fuck cares? I just need people to listen he's to le- he's legit good mad. music. I'm legit mad. And I'm like, you should be insulted for approaching us. I implore you to call this AM Gold or something, but you'll probably say fuck you to us and call it Yacht Rock anyway. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, the shitty Yacht Rock package comes out, and they go ahead and promote on Twitter, oh, look how cute we are playing Yacht Rock songs in a rock band. Oh, uh, oh, and it fucking sucks. It's, it's stupid. Like, we're here telling people every day what Yacht Rock is. Not every day, but like, is much as we can some this of is, us are telling people every day this is what yacht rock is this is what it is here's a playlist of yacht rock songs here's a pl- here's a list that says what isn't yacht rock songs what a fool believes should be in a yacht rock pack what the fuck and it sucks and it's shitty don't buy it hunter go ahead tell people to buy no it. no you didn't you missed the, the good part in oh, your the good rant. part the good part is, is after the good he part. sent that that yeah. email and that was a good summary yeah, of the yeah, email yeah the guy wrote back can I talk to Hunter again? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so, so I wrote him back and was like, jay has got a little more spice than I would, but we're, we don't want to do this, and, and it would be wrong if we did. But I'll at least mention it. And just in case, it's two-thirds there, and I would say that, that Brandy could be proto- because it was really and, early. I mean, we, at one point, I think we were considering a storyline, like a like a like a oh, kind of a, a prequel story type storyline. Yeah. I remember the storyline. It was uh, regardless it was Coco's origin story. Yeah, it could be way better. And if it sells, perhaps they'll do an, a real one, and we can complain about their previous one and put three songs officially approved. So I'm just saying that it's out there. If you aren't as angry as JD. Yeah, and 75% of us aren't angry, and 75% of us know what they're talking about. And I think fucking God, 25% of us is angry. Otherwise, we'd be doing a podcast about fucking Rupert Holmes. I don't care. I don't... I'm a little bit angry. I think JD is completely justified in his anger, so I have no problem with it. People just take it and they do, well, this is what I think it is. It's soft music from the 80s and 70s that I personally like. Yeah. That's what people think Yacht Rock is. Dude, it's what not was, what, what it is. was that fucking Spotify list where there were like songs from That's the That's why we have to defend to Yacht Rock. 90s. That's why Steve can't go, oh, let's not burn any bridges because if we don't... Well, the Spotify list was but this terrible. Is, this that's, is... that's the result of us not fighting our balls off for what Yacht Rock is. Yes, but there's two ways to fight something. There's one is pissing people off and they're going to do it anyways. And there's another thing. It doesn't always work, but there's another thing of of being like, let listen, let's let's not burn a bridge, and and maybe we can convince you to to do it the better way next Catching time. Catching flies with honey, baby. And yeah. Now that doesn't always work. Sometimes you need a carrot, and sometimes you need a stick. We have no legal recourse. All I can do is embarrass the fuck out of people for being idiots. That's all I can do. You're not gonna hang, fucking uh, uh, a fucking. 
Pollock painting in with the Renaissance paintings and call it a Renaissance painting. You're not going to do that. Why You're would you put You're not going to jerk Randy- off on a wall in the uh, the the modern what, what's Pollock? Uh, Don't worry about it. That's, that's a terrible a metaphor. Um, okay. Anyway, the longest episode of Yacht Rock ever. It's a it's called Do Age. Anything else to plug? We need to continue this and get through it. Yeah, I'm performing um, Friday with Ricky Carmona at a place called The Pack at nine. Go see it. Go see it. It'll be great. It's, it's an be interview. Great. It's an intimate interview with Dave Lyons. I don't yeah. know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, uh, they hopefully not yet, Rock. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about the show. I'll talk about the podcast. Uh, I'll talk about the new movie I'm working on, which is the story of Dolomite. What? Number Ooh. All right, this top five will try to make go quick. So uh, I heard this in a Simpsons episode. <clears throat> okay, so here's the thing. I always felt like Twin Peaks and X-Files were linked, like thematically, spiritually. Oh, certainly, yes. Two shows about FBI agents looking for un- unexplained mysteries. Uh, one a little more sci-fi, the other slightly more horror. One set in a primary location playing the long game, the other moving around week to week with new adventures. Uh, and I didn't think this was a stretch at all because uh, one of the creators of Twin Peaks went on to create X-Files, right? And, and he also did the theme song, right? Wrong! I just realized, looking this up yesterday, that Mark Frost and Mark Snow are two different people. I can see how you would confuse the two. <laughs> that is very much a confusion that I would make. <laughs> and one is a show creator and the other is a composer. They're not a blending of the two. Wow. This was like finding out Huey Lewis was not in Die Hard or that Finn <laughs> Lizzie was from Ireland and not what I assumed was Milwaukee because of their, all their bar and grill references. I thought you said New Jersey. No, Milwaukee was always Milwaukee, Dave. I or the Celt- or Celtic Frost and Celtic Thunder are totally different things, and neither are like Thunder from Down Under. <laughs> it's also it's also like That's suddenly Excalibur, right? It's probably next, know. It's next to Cirque du Soleil. Uh, it's also like re-finding out that the Manhattans and Earth, Wind, and Fire both have a hit song called Shining Star, and that they're different songs. Uh, it's kind of like hearing the phrase good times, bad times in the chorus of Billy Squire's Lonely as the Night and thinking it's the Led Zeppelin song, Good Times, Bad Times. I've never done that one, but I totally did the first one. Coming up <laughs> on a Yacht or Yacht Minisode. <laughs> yep. yep. I, I feel like people, no, are... people have already Two people have already added me on Twitter about that, so that one's come out. Uh, maybe, oh, there, okay. maybe there's a portmanteau, portmanteau with song homonyms. Song, songonyms. So, uh, there you go. Oh. Songonyms. Yeah. So with all that said, not what Steve said, not when he was going off the off the range to get his shit in. Yeah, we're trying to talk about the thunder from down under. We got to go back to Vegas. I'm pretty sure they're at Excalibur. So with all that said, this is the X-Files theme. And I, I didn't even write the name of it, but it has a real name. It's Materia yes. Primoris. Oh, yeah. very uh, memorable. Checks out. This is the X-Files thing. And I just, uh, by Mark Snow. Wait, or is it Mark Frost? No one knows. Yes, it was Mark Snow. Mark or was it Mark Frost, Frost? The Snow Mark? Um, but I still hold that the X Files was an extreme Twin Peaks for the '90s, not that 1990, 91, '50s throwback. 
Uh, just like how the original Pure Mooch had Angelo Badalamenti. I don't think I spelled his name right. I just wrote a bunch of D's and A's and L's. Badalamenti. Um, You're calling him bald. Bald Badalamenti. His theme. JD, you say it. I know you love saying that. Badalamenti. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, they, it was they, really good. Thank you so much. the original 1994 had that on it. The 1997 release had an even clubbier version of the X-Files themes, uh, theme because uh, get with the times, man. But I didn't play that because the original was, was due age enough. Um, I, I, you should have played the clubbier one. That's so dude. Yeah, that was, that's the one I remember being on pure yeah, no. No, I, if you I read that I read that like at a glance and I thought it said clubber and I thought we were going to talk about Rocky 3. <laughs> Hunter just farted off Mike. Continue. Um so <laughs> so like I said, it doesn't need to have a big beat on it. It just needs to be an ext- like an extreme version of something and this is like it has oh. to have something. This is like this is like the Twin Peaks theme like it with, but like in your face, no more slow, deliberate calm of wood being cut. We got fucking X's and aliens and like cells and stuff fucking floating in your face. I think I think you blew it not doing the more extreme version of this. Oh, song. it's terrible. Look it up. It's fucking awesome. The, I don't feel Twin like Peaks, typing. The Twin Peaks theme also had like a sort of a techno. Re- it was like Moby's first hit single it was called Go, and it was just like a techno remix of the Twin Peaks but theme. It, it doesn't need to be. Twin, it doesn't need to be techno. It just gotta be. It's gotta be. It's fucking called the X Files. It doesn't need any more, bro. It's X Files. Called the XX Files. Uh, so, anyways, I think this 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 theme by itself fits Do Age perfectly. Um, so yeah, Mark Snow went to Juilliard, wrote a bunch of TV things, including Heart to Heart and TJ Hooker. Heart Shit. to Heart. That's got that classic disco beat. That bom 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 bom. Yeah. Bom. Well, get this. He's also married. He also married a daily of Tim and Time fame. Say what? Her name is Glenn. (laughs) Tim and Tyne are siblings? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm still learning things here. So is Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, we already got a Tim and we already got a Tyne. What do we got next? How about a Glenn? Glenn. All right. Maybe it must be pronounced Glenn. You're just making sounds. Anyways, X-Files to the max. Then next one. Woo. Did it. Done it. Doing it tomorrow. Number four. Ooh. <laughs> Hold on. Your, fasten your seatbelts, everyone. Yeah, this is, this is something. This is a, yeah, this is a later addition to, to the if list. If you don't like laughing in public, yeah. get in private now. <laughs> yeah. Someone's about to turn on the jets. Is <laughs> <laughs> my main man, Andar. Fully, uh, Kangar <laughs> or Andar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go the on. song is called Tuba Groove from the hilarious name album Back Tuba Tuba Future. Oh <laughs> We're back. Back in the tuba. There it is. Yes. We're back. Back in the tuba groove. So this is Tuba Groove from Back Tuba Future from 1999. Um. You know, I'm glad Andar he got his uh, recognition. But listen, Benedictine months, I'm talking to you. I know, I know you're listening to this podcast. This could have been you. <laughs> yeah. 
Clark. I can't help but sing along to catchy songs. You had you had the you you were in the prime at the dawn of Dew Age, but you're like, oh my vows. Fuck your vows. You could have had samples from a Bjork album over your chance. <laughs> but you know, instead we should be happy we got Ondar at the dusk of Dew Age, which isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so JD's laughing, so I'm just gonna talk. So what what is Andar doing here? <laughs> he's singing. Well, he's singing through through his throat to the extreme. Yeah, Tuvan throat singing. It's an actual thing. Because Tuvans are uh, uh, people from Central Asia. They shouldn't be on a new Jack Swing beat. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's like, it's like uh, they're in like Siberia, like Southern Siberia, Mongolia. Yeah, yeah Russia. Jack, Russia. Russia. New Jack Swing. I think a lot of Ural. Anyways, uh, so th- they're able to lay there. So what they're able to do is lay down an initial pitch with their throat and then drop some new pitches on top of that. Um, appar- it's multiphonic, appar- I think is the word. Apparently this was super fun to do in like Mongolia. And then they get on a pogo stick. <laughs> with this with barren echo chamber like landscapes. And there's this ring in their teeth. And they try to hoop it over something. It's really quite incredible. <laughs> so you drop down a hum and blast some wingdings on top and let that sound fly. And basically what they're doing is the first internet. <laughs> oh my god, I hope it's not culturally insensitive. It's not culturally If I heard straight up Tuvan throat singing, I wouldn't be laughing. It's a stupid ass modern beat they put behind it. It's really getting kidding me. JD, don't worry. Andar's not going to listen to this because he died. Okay, what? good. So, so, How'd he die? So, no, I'm just worried about being kind of a bigot. Well, you should. For, I don't <laughs> think you're not a bigot because you're not prejudging this. You're post okay. No, no, you're a racist. This is post judice. Listen. How'd he die? Uh, oh, he died of a brain hemorrhage, no doubt to all that <laughs> damn vibration. <laughs> He fell off his pogo stick. <laughs> and one of his dancing bears from his show ate him. He just kept going, oh, and then his head just went, pop. Yep. I would imagine. Luckily, he um, was wearing a hat, so it didn't get on his friends. But when he was being sweet, I remember seeing him on Conan or Letterman. I'm pretty sure it was Letterman. And it was fucking... <laughs> It was fucking fun to watch. This is totally the kind of guy Letterman would have had on. It stuck with me just for the special day. Uh, Yeah, and then he died of brain hemorrhage. This is the kind of music when you're staying with your parents in a big city at a a nice hotel and you ride up the elevator together. Like uh, at the uh, like we were JD and I were in the W Hotel. I was gonna say this sounds like someone would be in the W at one point. And we're like riding up in this elevator, like, and hear music like this. No, this music is never played anywhere. This is amazing. It's the funniest song we've ever played on this podcast. Back to the future. <laughs> I don't think anybody plays that. Uh, Anyone that does this, that that names it that. To the max. Anything back, else? No, on call, this? no, calling it "Back to the Future" is like it's like it's like one of those shitty Chinese restaurant puns involving the word "walk." Or a Vietnamese restaurant, like, like doing pho and making it like a pun on the word oh, fuck. He, he has a duet on this with Willie Nelson, I believe, on this <laughs> album. He's he works with a lot of American artists on this. Yeah, I like this part. This part I yeah. can fix it, but then 
the, bou- the bouncy beat man. <laughs> and then the one note. It's the the, the 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 thing is is that the chorus, if you can call it that, is just one note. It, <laughs> no, you you got to sing from your throat. I know. I can't. I, I mean, I'm not a tuvan throat singer. I don't know the proper technique for going. <laughs> you want I don't know how to create that resonance. You want extreme I'm not flavor? from the steppes of Mongolia. I don't even know where to reach to. Try Doritos uh, Extreme uh, Ranch. Uh, 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 uh. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I'd buy those Doritos. All done with this one? Please stop. It's like being tickled too much. Number three. Oh, oh there we go. Speaking of Benedictine months, what you could have been. Jeez, you could have had this. This could have been you. Um, So this is Enigma with Sadness, part one, as in the Marquis de Sade. Not sad. Like they changed this to in England and the U.S. Um, This this song's about fucking. And it's a perfect soundtrack to 90s softcore porn. The most extreme form of porn. You guys agree with that statement? Wait, wait, wait. Mm. What a minute? What? What a minute? Okay, well, so here's well, that, well, that makes sense because here, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make some sense. Okay. So it may make some sense. Okay, so, okay. Porn is about sex, right? In I, this I'm at, told. Its, at its base, and the sex is like it's like the gravity. It's like gravity, right? It's it's what's it's it's the it's the inertia of of porn. So so like bigger normal porn just means like more sex. Two, like, like that's a natural progression. Two people, three, four, who care, a hundred, dogs, cats, and horses are turds. You know, that's just that's just giving in to gravity. Why not go against it? Why not climb that mountain? You know what I'm saying? Instead of hanging on that cliff waiting to fall like Stallone and Cliffhanger, oh, why boy. not go over the top like Stallone and Oscar? Yeah. <laughs> or bust out of that uh, tunnel. So, like that guy in that movie. So, watching people bone without seeing any D's or V's, like when they're humping and they're both going in the same direction, and it looks like a terrible golf lesson, <laughs> that's extreme porn. It's edgy. And eventually, I think it became edging. But, but that's, that's, you climb that mountain. Climb that mountain. This is, you know, I look at the track you picked, and this is actually, we're listening to the radio edit. Um, yeah, um, so we're not going to be hearing that that album version you um, Enigma you fans picked, you bought. You pick the other one. That was well, the only one I found. Well, listen, uh, there's the album version. It's got a lot of dirty swears on it. Yeah. It makes sense now that Hunter described this song. This might have been the U.S. and U.K. version. Yeah, I mean, we hear we hear him go, Oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, oh, we. Yeah, the dirty version, it's like, Fuck me in the pussy, white boy. Lick yeah. it dry in my butt. It's butthole honestly the first time. Wine for your cock, girl. It's the yeah. first time I ever heard "cunt kick bitch" mm-hmm. put yeah. together. Yeah, that L word. I mean, it was filthy. it was kind of it was kind of poetic. Qu'est-ce que tu as cherché? It's like he, he just got. What are you a, looking for? Like a French 101 class. Yeah, je ne sais pas. Yeah, they pretty much look asking the, for the, the bibliothèque. Where the where's the bibliothèque at? Où est la bibliothèque? Où est la bibliothèque? Donde es Wait, I think they do some heavy breathing in this part coming up. Mm-hmm. This is a sexy song. I'm horny. I'm, I'm diabolical. Here comes something. Oh, dear. 
Okay. This is why they played at like the bondage dungeon for like beginner night. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, don't just let that hang. So, it's more fun so to jump Enigma. Game. They're actually so Enigma. They're actually quite simple um, because it's one Romanian German dude named uh, Michael. Just write down the address. Who uses a bunch of commu- computers to make music? Uh, this song. Uh, Sadness was uh, was was of 1990s MCMX C A D. Like like an enigma, it's impossible to decipher. No, it actually is the year that the album came out, 1990. Uh, most importantly, it was in a little movie called Maybe You've Heard of It, Boxing Helena. Oh, that's the most important thing. Uh, yeah, written and directed by David Lynch's 19-year-old daughter Jennifer. Yeah. Maybe a bunch of stars dropped out and got sued and it was a terrible movie and she mm. got dragged by the National Organization of Women for the subject matter and she decided to give up writing and directing for good. Maybe you've heard of it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, luckily the other people David Lynch works with keep bringing in their family and it's a horrible mess of a thing that I've probably said too much about already. But from what, well, what I remember about Boxing Helena is that this song was in a sex scene. And I don't remember much else, but I think they did some stump humping in it. I think that's what it was stump about. Stump humping? You mean like amputee? That's what that's, boxing Helena is. Yeah. that's They put Helena in the box. They box her. Like There's a, so many Jaren titles in the 90s. I'm glad that's, that that craze is over. What a stupid movie naming craze. <laughs> Jarens are stupid. <laughs> they are. For movie yeah. titles. It's like yeah. band names. We're man. all about portmanteaus now. Yeah. They're cool. But actually, I, I, uh, Jennifer Lynch came back in 2008 with a movie called Surveillance, which I watched at uh, Twin Peaks Fest 10 years ago, and she was lovely. Hmm. Hey, I figured out how to translate the chorus where the girl's whispering. Uh, she says, Sad, dimwat, which is just sad, says I. So the English trans, if you're going to translate this to English, I think you should have the chorus done in a Depression era newsreel voice, like, Sad, says I. And then the other line is sad, don't moi, which means sad, gimme. Give it so, to me. Don't mo- yeah, give it to me. So give me your wiener. It's like yeah, it's, yeah, gimme. Don't mo- show anything. But don't show anything. <laughs> you know they did they put out a sadness part two, and you can watch on YouTube if you kinda wanna see boobs a little bit. Uh they sample like a famous classical song, which I I forgot and I'm not familiar with anyway because I'm not that smart. Wait a minute, they're showing boobs on YouTube now. You can find a lot of it's blurred out, but there's like there's like boobs under. Um, it's like a national uh, yeah. National Geographic. But you know, you else you can do you can go you on. Can, you don't have to go to that. You can go to you can type in boobs xxx on uh, a Google search <laughs> and hit uh, search. <laughs> and you're gonna see a no, lot. But I, don't, I don't like triple large boobs. I don't like triple large boobs. Those are way too big for me. Okay, then you write um. Those are D. Small. You write small tit hotties, in fucking in a Google search, and you can see uh, small to medium breasted women huh. having sex with. Really? Yeah. Right. Right yeah. on. So you don't have to see sadness part two video right to to see some blurred sex. You can see actual sex on the internet. Huh. I had no idea. Is there? Is there to a the plot? extreme? Thank you. Hunter Thank you. Took JD. a lot of the things I wrote in here and put to the extreme on them. When I wasn't looking. So thank you. To the extreme. You know, some sound effects. To the extreme. I'll rock a mic like a vandal. No, Light not that a kind of extreme. Like a you gotta pretend that extreme didn't exist first. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's more intense.
slamming the dude. Wow. Well, Andre's really on fire. Andre's. Gotta hand it to those new coaches. Bravo! Brilliant! Good shot! Out. Number two. Andre's really on fire. Yeah. That was uh, Andre Agassi. After he took off his wig and went bald, he started cross-training. You want to know why? You know what? They, you know how they spelled cross-training a lot in the With 90s? X. Goddamn yeah! right. My hotshot uncle came into town, rolled into town in the early 90s, bought me and my brother some Andre Agassi tennis shoe Nikes, rolled out of town. X-training Nikes. Just rolled in, bought us those fucking shoes that everybody fucking wanted, rolled out of town, uncle style. He X'd you guys. Hard. Okay. I miss, I miss I miss your uncle. I don't know if you've ever met him. <laughs> he misses him anyways. Well, you don't know. So so what you're probably saying to yourself is this genre is just new age music set to a techno beat, Steve? But it's not. That's just a part of it. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I I'm under I'm still under some misconceptions then because I'm it seems it seems like that seems like most of what we've heard so far, right? Honestly, it's most the easy it? it's the easy way out, Steve. Okay, you're right. It's the easy way out. It's you, the short it's the you short, gotta gussy it's it the up. short way home. You gotta gussy it up for the nineties. You know show, what I'm saying? Show me the scenic route. Okay. Well this man's showing you the scenic route. I'll get you there. Uh, okay. Ah, where's that? Okay, so that's just part of it. That that's just a way, an easy way to take the music to the next level. But there's other ways, like Wear lots of silks and grow a mustache that makes Tom Selleck move back to the 80s. Because this is the 90s. And also be Greek and fucking play there. Yeah. <laughs> the Greek, the Greeks invented, like, every sex act that's not dirty and every sex act... Well, all your is... favorite ones. Well, the French invented the other ones. Oh, the, oral, the oral ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. What you guys are saying, what, and you guys are, what, lady. what you guys are leading to, is that this is Yanni, the Tzatziki Superman, <laughs> the Peta Piper, the Philo <laughs> Fuck Machine, playing <laughs> Mr. Mustache Ride. Again, the Tzatziki Superman, the Peta Piper, the Philo Fuck Machine, playing live at the Acropolis with Keys to Imagination from 1994. The name of the song is Keys to Imagination. Yes, it is. Uh, so, uh, to finish my thought on why this is killer do-age, you gotta see it live. You see, to put this much passion, uh, this performance can push the shit to the edge. <laughs> this isn't some bullshit grandma's new age. Nah, this is the Lollapalooza of, of do-age. Just all jamming out with Legion of Do-Heads. Killing it with precision. And I picked this song specifically because it was undeniable. If you watch this live, it is absolutely undeniable as they played it at the Acropolis that that night was a total fuck fest. Yeah, I mean, you hear the name Yanni and you see the guy and you're like, this is some limp dick shit. This is going to be some dry pussy garbage. But this dry Yoni is uh, yeah, another way to put yeah. it. <laughs> but this is like... You, this is fucking the music of a Mykonos vacation. It's it's hip thrusting music. You just, you're filled up your neck with ouzo, and you're just humping a hole you dug in the in the sand. And I named that hole Leonidas. <laughs> Similarly, you hear the title "Keys to Imagination." 
You think, oh, cool, this must be like a concept album by a German power metal band, such as Halloween or Blind Guardian, but then it turns out that it isn't. That's what happened to me. Like, when I first heard Yanni live at the Acropolis, like, Mm -hmm. my mom's friends were talking about it, and I thought, holy shit, these guys got into metal. I was wrong. Yep. They got horny. Yeah. Was the thing. And then we all fucked. No, that's gross. Oh. Then we all made love. Oh, this is the fuck fest part. You watch this part. Now this oh, percussion is very important. This is just when people are starting to slide down their, their trousers. <laughs> you know, if you watch this, Yanni kind of looks like a Greek Colonel Sanders. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, wouldn't it be great if he was the new Colonel Sanders in that, that fluctuating uh, advertising campaign they're doing with different Colonel Sanders? They'll get to him. Yeah. They should have gotten him quick. <laughs> They're going to get to Fabio first, okay, I bet. Guys. Fabio or Yanni, who's coming first? In the, in who's the- coming first? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> not Yanni. It's depends, mutual. Depends yeah. on the party and how hard that fella's working. How close you are to the Acropolis, the magnetic center of Yanni's ejaculations. Okay, I'm going to tell you about a little bit about Yanni. <clears throat> God damn. So Yanni was born in Kalamata, Greece. Oh, Real, oh, real wow. place. Not just an olive. Uh, he's completely self-taught. Never, never took a music class. You don't say. He set a national record in swimming, and then he went to the University of Minnesota and got a degree in psychology. Shit. There he joined a prog rock band named Chameleon, and they are fucking awesome. And we, sh- you should have watched it before, you, so you could talk about how fucking and that awesome was, they that are. That was my fault, Hunter, and I apologize. And Yanni is a. Fucking stud! Watch, watch him. He's all—he doesn't have any sleeves on his shirt, and he's playing like the in a Who prog rock. Time for sleeves in a prog rock band. And, Hunter's walking like an Egyptian, right and he's now. playing both. He's playing both keyboards, two keyboards. Got both. Yeah, he's walking like an Egyptian with just biceps. He's looks like fine. Timothy Malcolm will just link it on the website. No, he hasn't done that in like a year and a half. Lick, he's licking tzatziki sauce off his mustache. It's a hot. Uh, so that yogurt ain't Greek. Uh, <laughs> they they looked so awesome. I actually watched a short documentary on the band, and I recognized the drummer slash founder of of Chameleon playing at the Acropolis with Yanni. So he, so Yanni's a sweet dude. He took his original dudes and brought them to fucking Greece and said, "Hey, let's make some money together." Hey, listen, yeah. fuckers, I'm gonna make a million dollars playing the Acropolis. I'll yeah. give you a couple bucks. Greece is where the money is for now. So, okay, so this is what happened. So he's in Minnesota in a prog rock band, right? Go on. And like, so he moves to L.A. because he's like, you know, I just want to make maybe make some soundtrack music. I already made it in Minneapolis. <laughs> the doctor. <laughs> sorry. Also, when you, after he watched the live at the Acropolis, watch the short documentary on Chameleon because it's amazing. They're like. Uh, it's like a parody of a of, of prog rock man who almost made it and then became <laughs> Yanni. Um, anyway, so he moves to L.A. because he wants to make soundtrack music. And he did a little. <laughs> and he started a little band there. But then he started dating Dynasty's Linda Evans. And he, then he went on to on Oprah yeah. so they could profess their love together. And then, boom, onto the Acropolis he went. He became a huge wow. star. You know how... Oprah, mm-hmm. you know, 
Right. Gives people the magic touch. Well, Yanni was... So Oprah's he was responsible the, for Yanni. Yeah, Yanni was the original Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Yeah, so... So uh, it was. So it ended up being Yanni's musical return to Greece. Like he he was just playing in Minneapolis and fucking L.A. and then he and then he's like, I'm going back to Greece, my hometown, and that's why it was so special to him, <laughs> my hometown of Greece. <laughs> England is my city. He plunked down a bunch of money to film it, like two million of his own bucks. He got it on PBS, and then bang, a legend was born. It became the second highest selling concert video after Thriller, which I don't remember being a concert video or whatever. But I don't know. But Maybe it was a videotape of Thriller videos. It must must have been. Then there wasn't any explanation on it. But anyways, it, it sold seven million copies. So what? there you have it, Yanni. Wow. And and seriously, if you haven't seen Live in the Acropolis, do yourself a favor. Yeah, and soak in that mustache. The to props. the max, dude, to the max. Linda Evans' pussy sure did. Yeah. You've never done nothing to you, do die, do. Did it, done it, liked it, loved it. Number one. If you're listening with your kids in the car, you might want to skip the last segment. <laughs> you might want to skip half our episodes. We're going to earn the uh, explicit one. Okay, guys. So remember when uh, I said Yanni formed a little band in L.A.? I just kind of glossed over it. Yeah. Well, one of his apprentices was a little-known Frankenstein <laughs> named John Tess. Oh, dear God. And for one song and one song only, the apprentice bested his master. And here is the number one do-age song, Round Ball Rock. The sound of the '90s, a sound of the '90s watered-down NBA, completely dominated by Michael Jordan. This was the theme to the NBA on NBC. Does everybody remember that? Of course you do, because this is amazing. This song is amazing. It was a, uh, it was the audible teal of the time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's due in musical form. It's John Tess pretending to play basketball before jumping on the keys. Seriously. After you watch Live at the Acropolis, look up the live version of this. It's awesome. He, I, mean, I don't know if you guys can hear because it's hard to hear things on the podcast, but mix, there it is. Mix very low, some very prominent cowbell. This is clunk rock. We kind of blew it now featuring this one. I stand by my list, especially with the Ramones at number one. Uh, and I'm you, right. and especially you, you, Steven, can each hit. Hmm. No, I can't. Uh, you, it would make me gag and I would spit it out. You Duh. can. You can and you will. Um, <laughs> so this is the official version, but like the live version, like I said, is amazing too. And, and the energy, he's able to top the energy of Yanni in it. He even brings out an answering machine. Did you watch this, Jimmy? Yeah, I watched it, yeah. He even yeah, brings, I watched it. He brings out an answering machine. And plays the message he left to some shitting like, yeah. executive. Yeah. He's just he's just mouse shitting the no, tune. No, he sent it to himself because he was like, I was staying at a hotel. Oh, he sent it to a, himself. I had an assignment to do uh, to do a, a basketball themes, a sports theme song for NBC, and I didn't have a I didn't have a piano at the hotel I was staying. So I I called myself up on the telephone and sang a sang a little bit of it to myself. And here's that message right now. And then he held the mic up to the actual answering machine. 
and it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's him. And they're just going, it's it's kind of great. Yeah, yeah. And I actually skipped that part because I was watching a baseball game at the time and I couldn't hear what he was saying. Was like, what, 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 no, best what the part fuck of the am video. I listening to? JD, the thing you did before might have been the best voice you've ever done. Yeah, John Tesh impression. Really solid. Yeah, really um, fucking solid. And in that video, because it was confident. Well, that's the thing. He says he says what he said in such confidence. He was sure that everybody in the audience really wanted to to know how he came up with this song. He and, liked, and in that video, in the video, he looks like super tall Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. Yes, that he really does. Okay, so so here's John Tess. All right, he was from Long Island. He had a little bit of musical talent, and somehow ended get, ended up getting into television. I guess it was because he went to NC State and studied music and communications. Um, he worked for Rick Dees. I think that was his foot in the, the door. The best. Oh, sorry. He worked for Rick Dees. The best. Everybody get that? Okay. Yeah. Hey, when Rick Dees gave weather forecasts, he, uh, he would say it's 80 Dees Grees in Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. The best. Yeah. I think he. I think uh, John Tesh may have read the news on it. Um, anyways, he must have. Uh, he must have somehow made it to L.A. I don't know when. Um, because he became the host of Entertainment Tonight from 1986 to 1996. So he had 10 good years of good pay for little work to become a musician. He joined Yanni in 1987, begging him to let him join the band because he'd never played live before in front of, a, in front of an audience. Uh, so he joined him on one tour. Uh, let's see. None of this matters because no one's heard any of his music before or after. Besides this one song, Round Ball Rock, and he fucking kills it. It was 1990, and the NBA needed a theme. And well, just, just, just watch John Tesh tell the, the story. That song kind of like sounded like the end of a news segment. No, he was hearing that that Entertainment Tonight theme every night. It got his head. <laughs> he, uh, you know, my uh, my wife used to work on that, that Ellen show, mm-hmm. and every time he would appear on it, everybody was like, oh god, John Tesh is on. But then it would come, and he would just be the most amazing person, and do a great job, and everybody loved him. Yeah, he's Mr. Dewage. fucking fantastic. Yeah, fucking Captain Dewage. But listen, if you really want to know how he wrote this song, just watch that video, and he'll hold up an answering machine and let you know. Uh, let's see. Those musicians in that video are so fucking passionate about this TV theme song. Wouldn't you be if it sounded like this? Think about it. I, there's I, the only the only TV theme songs I can think of that deserve this level of passion are the Rockford Files and maybe Magnum PI. Oh, what's <laughs> okay? So let's see. Just to finish Tonight, up on entertainment, whatever. Entertainment NBC NBC basketball tonight. LeBron James supposed to make an appearance at a pizza place. Didn't show up. They had to give the mob free pizza. That's the big story on basketball tonight. True story. I heard it on Twitter. Okay, so regardless of all that stuff, in 2002, it was a dark day when the NBA or the uh, NBC and NBC lost the NBA. Instead, it went to ABC. And its cadre of uh, ESPN channels. Uh, do you think they? Uh, you think you can, anybody can do a quick uh, mouth shitting version of uh, the NBA on ABC? Can they, does anyone remember that nope. theme? Of nope. course not. And uh, John Tesh even offered the, them this theme. He was like, "Hey, ABC, you want this?" And they were like, "No, thanks." 
Instead, they use boring songs by Justin Timberlake or the Black Eyed Peas or Rob Thomas. You got the basketball that dribbles up so smooth. Give me a shot. Three-point line. It's pretty good, but you pronounced all the vowels correctly, which is not what Rob Thomas does when he sings. But to be fair to ABC... a little more of a mush mouth. To be fair to ABC, they actually have really good going to commercial and outro music. So if you take that and you slap this on the front of it, then we're talking. We're talking NBA action to the extreme. All right, I'm done. I'm... All right, take a rest. What do we miss? What did Hunter miss in this list of doom I, songs? Uh, maybe, may, okay, Steve's I'm not, got, I'm not got nine bands to I'm list. not 100% sure I understand all the parameters, but here's what I came up with. Uh, possibly Dead Can Dance or Bel Canto, who work in a similar uh, uh, milieu. They might be a little too indie or goth, but that might be extreme enough. Uh, maybe Kitaro? I don't know. Maybe maybe some Steve Roach? Kitaro was around at the time, but I think that would have been a, just regular New Age. But who, okay, yeah, I I, yeah I, I've never heard most of it's these. It's got to be gussied up somehow, Steve. It's got to yeah, be gussied up for the times. For the I'm, Don't I'm you remember gussying up for the 90s, Steve? Yeah, but I'm pulling out names that I think might be it, but I don't know their music. Ah, gotcha. Traditionally, so we're maybe su- John we're Hassel and Brian one. Eno's Fourth World album? Or maybe, maybe Lorena McKinnett? <laughs> Do you know Lorena McKennett? I don't Which really thought I've heard of her. I'm going to play my my song because we're out of round ball rock now. But this is this is what I think you missed. Uh, I'm not an expert. I dug. A, this is how I found it because it showed up on the. You make a Spotify list and then it says, "Hey, how about put these songs on your list?" And I found this song on the. Yeah, list. that was the exact uh, thing I told you about how I found the yacht rock songs yeah. on uh, YouTube, and you called me an asshole. Well, anyway, um, this song is called Yeehaw Noha. Wishes of Happiness and Prosperity by a group called Sacred Spirit. Um, it's Native American singing with a new jack swing beat created <laughs> by some German composers. So don't get me wrong, the singing is beautiful once the Native American singer comes in. Uh, it's it's not quite like that throat singing, but put to a new jack beat, it's kind of fucking ridiculous. So anyway, this song was number one in France. It's extreme. It's extreme spiritual wonderfulness. I love right. that you you keep putting in that new Jack thing. Bum, bum, pst, bum, bum. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think Sadness had the new Jack in his um, beat of all of them because it, it was kind of like the the Eric B and Rakim paid in full beat slowed down. I don't think this is it though. This doesn't Just, sound new Jack to me. Anyway, uh, a guy named Leo Ro- Roja. He's a hard ass pan flute dude <laughs> from Ecuador. <laughs> Uh, no, he's not. He's not a pussy like Zamfir. I was gonna say no, Zamfir. No, that guy can can fucking pound sand. Uh, he's the master of the pants. This guy, if you've been to Peru, even for a minute, you've heard him. But he uh, plays his pan flute, and it's relaxing and hard ass all at the same time. I do not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, do you know what you're doing next week? Uh, in two weeks. I haven't decided yet. Let's get it. Um, it'll be it'll be one out of the three ideas I was thinking of before, and I just snuck up on me like, oh shit, mine's next. Yeah, uh, you don't have any time fuck. to prepare. It's gonna be Steve, and it's gonna be great. Find this week's Yacht Rock playlist by following Jade Rizner on Spotify. Dot, I'll put it up anytime soon. Go to yachtrock.com for a useful experience and questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock, or just follow us on Twitter at Yacht Rock. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow us Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
The theme is the themes were by Mark Crow, uh, uh, Rob Crow, and Mark Rivers. Thanks to Matt Mark Russo. Snow, Mark Snow, <laughs> Mark and Frost Frost. Rob Frost, Robert Frosty Robert Frost, Snow Sleep. Do you guys think the the least amount of prep we do for the episodes, the longer they get? I'll I mean, you, you wrote I'll, a lot of stuff. You wrote a lot of stuff you yeah. had to read. I think there was a lot of filler in there. I don't know. You guys should really. Read it. Read your stuff and see how Edit. long it is when you read. Oh, it. fuck off! We're talking to the audience. We're giving them information about music. You're gonna find you can do that information in a in a in a more concise way. I I did. I went over it a couple times to make it concise. I I know that it was a little bit there. There was a couple that were a little bit long, but there was a lot of riffing on stuff that had nothing to do with anything. But because I think there wasn't a lot to talk about. Are we, let me tell you something. Just like hey. right now, what I'm doing right now, this is kind of what we did. Hey, Yanni, he, he was born in Greece, went to school in Minnesota, fucked Linda Evans, got famous because of it, went to the Acropolis, blew everybody's minds. That's what you got to say about Yanni. You left Yanni. out Oprah. We, it's irrelevant. He, oh, yeah, is it? We haven't talked Oprah about Oprah made him. Anyway, the next that, Dr. Phil. That's what our band meetings are like, everyone. That's what our band meetings Listen, are Listen, I'm like. just trying to stretch this out because we got... Uh, we got ten more minutes before we hit two hours. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, it's we good talk to be about? back, I guess. Yeah. Hey, never. God damn, that was fucking tight, guys. <laughs> tight pad case. By the way, this is the most uncomfortable seat I've ever sat on, and I think I've injured my groin. Yeah, we. Oh we god, to... yeah, it's one of those two dollar IKEA folding yeah, chairs. I, I have better yeah. chairs than that. I, Thanks for having us over. I JD. hurt so bad right now. <laughs> good night, everyone. It's a good show. <laughs>